I'm Michael R. Malley, and this is Fresh Green Blessings, reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother Earth eyes. Welcome to Fresh Green Blessings, and I'm Michael R. Malley. And I'm Holly Bryn Erickson Malley. And today on Fresh Green Blessings, we'll be talking about one of Jesus' parables, a parable from Matthew chapter 20, about the kingdom of heaven being like a landowner. And we'll also be talking about the infinite and infinity and tying that in with this parable. Ollie will read the scripture from Matthew for us, and then I will share my blog reading, followed by a Dharma talk, which is really a mindful reflection, almost like a um, guided meditation, a slow, spontaneous, impromptu um, reflection on the Bible and the reading. And then after that, Ollie will share some closing words, some closing questions. As always, we have the Tibetan singing bowl because we are always invited to presence. Enjoy the sound of the bell. Today's reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon at about three o'clock, he did the same. About five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go to the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last work only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. 
We like numbers, measurements, things we can count on, accountability. Jesus' story in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, like many of his parables, messes with us. Things don't add up. We tend to think of infinity as a really, really big number. Jesus and the Buddha are in the infinity business, but they don't appear interested in the big number ideal. John O'Donohue writes about our ceaseless greed as a grasping for infinity. We have traded in the infinities that Buddha and Jesus hint at for a really, really big number. Our cultures mock and belittle the unknowable and ineffable, but our souls thirst for the infinite. So we acquire and acquire, filling our houses and minds to the brim, yet our souls are not sated. O'Donohue writes, it is our nature to seek the infinite. Consequently, the functionless mind constructs its own infinite out of things, possessions, achievements, stimulants, and distractions. It is fixed on the treadmill of multiplication. Fixed and unsatiated. Dujom Rinpoche writes, the pure awareness of nowness is the real Buddha. The Eastern Orthodox monk, Father Maximo, says, Whenever you meet someone on your way, in reality you meet God. And as you honor God, you must honor the other, because you have in front of you the presence of God. You don't turn the other way to avoid someone you don't like. The infinite is immeasurable. Du Jom Rinpoche is writing of the real. Father Maximo speaks of in reality. These religious leaders dwell in the real, in reality that is soaked with the infinite. Here, there is no thirst. Jesus' parable of the landowner in Matthew 20 teases us about our obsession with numbers. The last is first, the first is last, what? Wait, this doesn't add up, it doesn't make sense. But the problem is not with the kingdom of heaven, which is like a landowner. The problem is with our worldly sense of measurement, our focus on the empirical, our measuring tools that simply can't do the job. The infinite is not a really big number. The infinite is instead available. You don't need an abacus, a calculator, the most powerful, super high-speed computer, or even a good math brain. The infinite is right here right now, right in front of us, if we have but eyes to see. I've always loved this parable, which is found only in Matthew. Because, as I wrote earlier, it messes with me. I'm all about fairness. If you ask our children, they'll say, a dad is always working trying to make things even, trying to make things fair. And there's something that feels just so inherently unfair about the worker who's just worked one hour at the end of the day and is paid the same, even paid before, 
the one who has put in all this time. And, oh, and by the way, that's the sound of thunder. We have a, a great storm roaring outside, which seems especially appropriate since our topic is the infinite and in infinity. But um, as I was saying, um, I was recently reading or rereading John O'Donohue's wonderful book called Eternal Echoes. And it struck me where he was talking about the functionalist mind of today and how rather than embracing or grappling with the infinite and infinity and wonder and awe, we have kind of transposed all that onto this want for more and more and more. That in some ways our, our longing for the infinite shows up in our, our, our longing for things, our desire for more experiences. It shows up for me with more and more books. Oh, I can't say no, I, I'll have more and more and more. And we acquire and acquire and our houses are filled to the brim. Our minds are filled to the brim with ideas. Our, our lives are filled to the brim with entertainments. There's, there's ceaseless entertainment, right? There's, with all the movies and films and shows and videos streaming, more, more, more. And it is as if we are longing for that sense of the infinite. And somehow, Somehow, as I was reading O'Donohue's words on this, the parable from Matthew chapter 20 came to me. And it came to me that here we are wanting to quantify, wanting to get the right measurement. And as we, as we, as we do the measurement, we say, well, no, this guy worked this much, this person worked so much less, and there's a general unfairness here, but we're seeing with our eyes. And we're, in particular, we're looking with our eyes that want to measure everything by number. Years ago, I was an elementary school teacher. And one of the reasons that I left teaching, and this is back in the 1990s, is because I was feeling less and less like an educator and more and more like a test administrator. And I was working with first, second, third, fourth graders. When I think back to my teaching days, when I had a classroom of second and third graders, I recall one day with a student, we'll call him Billy, and his home life was a desperate situation. 
and he was struggling academically, socially, and every way. It was amazing that he even made it to school. And it was clear that he got to school because Billy got himself to school. There were parents who were, or there was a mom who was uh, unable to care for herself, let alone her son. Billy's test scores were incredibly low. And I worked with him on reading and math and other things, and I may have helped him a little bit to raise those scores a little bit. But the memory that comes back to me is when we were lined up, maybe to go down for lunch or out to recess, I don't recall. And he happened to have on um, a beat-up old Oxford shirt that had the button-down collar. And I happened to be wearing an Oxford shirt that day too. And I noticed that his collar, the buttons were, were not buttoned down, the collar was not buttoned down. And that's not something that would stand out because his whole look was very disheveled. He, um, his clothes weren't that clean and all the rest. But I just paused there that moment. And I went up to him, I said, oh, Bill. Whoa, look, you and I, we got the same kind of shirt with those collars that button down. But man, your collar's not buttoned. Here, let me get it for you. And with my fingers, I just took a moment and put the button through the buttonhole on each side of the collar. And Billy stood there, so tall. In that moment, his spine so straight and his smile so wide. I don't know what happened to him. It's a lot of years ago. I don't know how his life has turned out. But I know that what I did in that little gesture for just those couple of minutes that it held infinite value.
I know that it related almost not at all to all those quantifiable measurements, all those test scores. that we recorded for Billy and all the others. And when I think of Dujom Rinpoche's words, the pure awareness of nowness is the real Buddha. what it means to touch this moment right here. To be fully and totally present with whomever or whatever it is you are with in this moment. I remember years ago finding the old dog brush that had belonged to the dog. His name was Snoopy, named after Charlie Brown's dog, the dog of my childhood. And I remember just holding that brush and it still had some of Snoop's hairs in it. The pure awareness of nowness is the real Buddha. Father Maximus, speaking in a wonderful book called The Mountain of Silence, A Search for Orthodox Spirituality, says, when you encounter another human being, you are in the presence of God. What would it be? What would it be if we had such pure awareness? In our human encounters. When you went to pay for your gasoline. To the cashier. What would
would it mean to know that in that brief moment you were in the presence of God? I, of course, don't know what Jesus' intention was with the Matthew parable in chapter 20. And maybe there's a number of intentions in any given one story. I lean into that view. It begins so strangely. To say that the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. But part of the message in that parable for me that parable that messes with me and has messed with me for a long time. Is the invitation to let go of the quantifiable, the measurable, the test score. To let go of the acquiring more and more and more as if that is going to satisfy some desire for the infinite. The Buddha's available. Christ is available. The infinite is available. The presence of God is waiting behind the cash register. The next time you pay for your gasoline or Buy a loaf of bread. The presence is available. When you take a struggling child in a hurting world. And you honor him or her. When you bring your loving attention there.
I wish I had a hundred more stories to tell you of how I brought that focused attention to Billy. But so often I failed to see who was before me. The thunder is beautiful. The infinite is here. word infinity mean to you? An invitation. Rather than thinking of the infinite in terms of time or space, why not play with the word infinite in other ways? This flower holds infinite beauty. In this moment, my gratitude is infinite. Infinity lives in his smile. How might you play with the words infinite and infinity through your own experiences in your own way. Like Dujom Rinpoche and Father Maximos, like the Buddha and Jesus, invite the immeasurable infinite into your daily awareness. I'm Michael Armalley, and you've been listening to Fresh Green Blessings, where we've been reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother of Eyes.